Americans have been traveling down the health insurance highway for decades. But lately, it's been taking us to places we don't want to go. For Christians, it's hard to know which road to take. Or is it? Samaritan Ministries provides a different direction, a biblical path for their members to pray for each other and share financially in each other's medical needs. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. We, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This is what God intended for the church. Do you believe that you need an insurance company, or do you believe that God will provide your needs? And there are people that you've never met before who are going to pray for you and meet your needs. There's another way. Looking for a new direction for your health care? Visit us online at SamaritanMinistries.org. A gentle answer turns away wrath? It's in the Bible. How do we handle righteous anger? Well, we got Pastor Scott Sauls coming on the show. We got a long, hour-long interview with him. It's great to fight, laugh, and feast with him. So stay around for that. We got Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox on the water, boy. It's good to be with you guys. We are going to be in Nashville, October 1st through the 3rd at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. But before you do that, you have to join the club so you get $100 off at the, at the conference. You got to download Wait, our Wait, we'll be giving $100 off? For those who join the club. If you're a club member, yep. Fight, Laugh, Feast club members. I never hear that part. I didn't know. $100 off the registration. We of signed the up for that. Yeah. Are you signed but, up? But the club membership oh, yeah. is 10. <laughs> you got to sign up for bronze and above to get the, uh, the, oh, okay. the discount thing. The, the other thing we'll about this. Hi- high fives to the $5 guy. Yeah. Yeah. High, high five. five. Yeah. High five. Toby, high, high five. High five. He, he don't high do five. that. He, he don't do that. <laughs> no. He does that weird handshake thing where we do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, one know. of our uh, listeners bought tickets to the conference and then bought their plane tickets already and then posted it. In our, in really? Our yeah, yeah. Sent it to us. Hey, like, hey, go. great deals. So there's great deals going on with plane tickets. We're going to see you in Nashville. <laughs> it's a good time to buy plane it's, tickets. It's a great time to buy plane tickets because <laughs> Nashville's going to be open up. Idaho is actually open up, uh, opening up this weekend. Restaurants. Restaurants. The restaurants yeah. are open. Make sure you guys Message. get out and go to all the restaurants in town. Sit inside. Yeah. Grab a beer. Go Can sit you, Is inside. that allowed? It's allowed. Yeah, it's allowed. It's allowed. Mm. And then uh, Grace Agenda uh, is also in August. It got moved from April to August, also around NSA's graduation, convocation, yeah. uh, Grace Agenda Conference. There's a bunch of stuff going on. Check it out. You come see us in Moscow. Cross Politic is going to have a special uh, event either Friday or Saturday night that weekend. That's, uh, I think, mm. August uh, 13th and 14th. All right. And everything. So, hey, we also want to invite you to join us for the Bible Reading Challenge. Many of yeah. you have done it before this last year. We've been doing it. We've just been doing well, it. Well, because it's the Bible. We just read the Bible. Yeah. And then, and then we do. read it again. And again. And, and then we read it again. And, and we also want we to invite we want to invite you to do a, a summer reading Bible reading challenge with us where we're going to read the whole New Testament. I'm in. The summer. You want to do it? Yes. You down? You can go to uh, BibleReading.Christkirk.com and you can read all about it. We're going to start on June 1st and we're going to read the whole New Testament in three months. Just crank through it. Yeah. And, there's and a bunch also, of Psalms too. There's they, also a logo neutral, not gender neutral. There's a logo neutral version that you can download and put your church's uh, logo in there, and so that right? your church can kind of own it. You know, do you get any discounts if you go to the right Bible reading challenge for the conference? Is that those hundred dollars discounts on those? <laughs> but we'll give you high fives at the conference, yeah, yeah. Or, or high five. Uh, high five. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hey yeah. you know what? Sign up for the high five. That's great. Become a Fight Laugh Feast Club member. High five. That's for, what you can do for one latte a month. Yeah, that's all you can. Oh, and and get the app in the bullpen with Mark Dewey, the best mm. worldview baseball podcast out yeah, there. And true. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to need some baseball after this interview. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it, it was it was fun. It was uh, <laughs> I, I, I need uh, to sit down with Pastor Scott Sauls in Nashville. We got to grab him. And I told him we got to grab him. The beer. Absolutely. Yeah, because there was a lot. I mean, just just because mm, I agree. And then the because no. of the. No, it's, but, it's, and, and then the end, I was. Yeah. Just watch gotta, the interview. Gotta, we are very grateful to have Pastor Scott Sauls. He is the senior pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church in, hey, look at that, Nashville, Tennessee. He's going to be at the conference. Gonna, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. He's married to Patty. has two daughters, Abby and Ellie. Previously, Scott was lead and preaching pastor for Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, where he worked alongside Dr. Timothy Keller. Ah. In his free time, you might find Scott immersed in a book, strumming his Gibson guitar, hiking, partaking in Nashville's ever-expanding foodie culture, enjoying live music, cheering on the Cardinals, no, we, we, we not the Cardinals. We won't hold that against. Oh. What's wrong with the Cardinals? <laughs> 
Y'all got a problem with St. Louis? Uh, he's authored five books, Jesus Outside the Lines, Befriend, From Weakness to Strength, Irresistible Faith, and his latest, the one that Knox is holding his hand now, is called A Gentle Answer, coming out on June 2nd. Scott also blogs weekly on uh, the website, his website, scottsalls.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and the Instagrams. Scott, thank you so much for joining us on CrossPolitik. Thanks for having me, guys. It's good to be with you. Absolutely. So a book on gentleness. What is biblical gentleness, and why did you write this book? Uh, thank you for asking that, uh, and I'm still waiting for my speaking invitation for your conference in Nashville. I must have missed that in the mail. It's um, on its way. But, hey, um, this is the trial. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll look for that. I'll look for that. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for asking. I think what precipitated uh, wanting to write this specific book was um, – the climate that we're in, uh, outrage culture, cancel culture, us against them, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it, it, uh, you know, I see, I, I appreciate your threefold, uh, philosophy of fight, laugh, feast. Uh, you know, the fighting, uh, tends to, it implies a spirited, uh, debate around things that matter. The laugh, uh, implies, uh, friendship is assumed and feasting of course, uh, assumes brotherhood and, and, uh, being united under Christ, even across the lines of difference around, especially non-essentials. So I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that what what uh, precipitated the book is that I, I, I at least I perceive um, that there's maybe an overemphasis on the fighting aspect and an underemphasis on laughing and feasting, mm-hmm. um, not only in the world but also um, between believers from you know different tribes and perspectives and so on. But as soon as you open the book and look at the table of contents, you might be surprised because the uh, chapters don't don't. Um, don't include words that people normally associate with gentleness. Um, you know, gentleness, biblically, the gentleness of Christ, the lamb-like gentleness of Christ is the furthest thing from wimpy or, uh, from being a doormat, rolling over, taking it on the chin. Um, you know, I spent the first three chapters just talking about the different ways that he, moves toward us in gentleness. And part of that is, is, um, befriending us through, conf- through confrontation. Uh, he, he, he moves toward the sinner in us. He reforms the Pharisee and disarms the cynic. Uh, and then that sets us up once we've met and been dealt with by Christ, uh, for the last five emphases, which I think are, are, you know, constitute biblical gentleness, which includes growing thicker skin, doing anger well, receiving criticism graciously, forgiving all the way, and blessing even our own betrayers. And so uh, people might be disappointed opening the book uh, and, and, and seeing that this does, not, this does not sound like the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, we learned about in Sunday school. Yeah. So in your, in your book, you tell um, the story of Mother Teresa, and pray, you praise her for urging, um, kind of uh, using that um, challenge against Bill Clinton at the, uh, at the National Prayer Breakfast to end abortion. And and I thought I was like yeah. we like to play a game here. We like to put um, you in this in that scenario now. So you're you're in the White House, and Obergefell yeah. decision just dropped. Uh, President Obama's yeah. right there, and you're speaking at the National Prayer Breakfast. You know what do you say yeah. to President Obama after Obergefell? Well, uh, I've never had such an invitation. Uh, <laughs> I've never anticipated such an invitation. Um, but if, if I got one, uh, I hope that uh, you know like I hope every time I step into a pulpit or, you know, approach the keyboard or enter into a conversation like this, that, that both the lamb and the lion of Christ would be represented, Mm -hmm. uh, in, in my presentation. And I, 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 I think that that it would be a, not only a missed opportunity, but, but an act of unfaithfulness. If, if, if I wouldn't, um, you know, present um, a message on the sanctity of of all life, as we say, from womb to tomb, and I'm 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 especially passionate about the unborn and um, you know mercy and justice and care and protection for the weakest uh, among us. That's the biblical ideal. That's supposedly an American ideal, and yet certain human beings get, get lost in the shuffle, the unborn, the elderly, the disabled people with special needs and so on get, get overlooked and, and sort of tossed to the curb. And, and I'm pretty passionate uh, about confronting that. But I, I also hope that, that my message would include, um, uh, empathy for, uh, 
the fact that, that, that there are a lot of different reasons why women make this decision, some for very selfish reasons, some, some for very desperate reasons. Um, and that in no way, uh, says that abortion in certain instances, elective abortion in certain instances is okay, uh, or, or right. But, but it does, it does acknowledge that, that a lot, over 50% of the women that, that go into clinics live in poverty and, and they go to the clinic because they're scared. And so my call would then be to the church to, um, to, to make itself the, the public alternative, not only to Christian women in a crisis pregnancy, but also to non-Christian women in a crisis pregnancy so that, that, you know, that the climate would change because there's so many churches ready to, to love and and serve and come alongside, um, that, 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 that the church, uh, becomes a more attractive alternative to, than the clinic to, to a woman who's just afraid and desperate. And so I hope both of those would come across. Yeah. So my, my question was Obergefell. Um, so mother Teresa asked Bill Clinton to end abortion. Uh, would you oh, ask, I'm sorry. It's um, okay. Would you ask, uh, uh, Barack Obama to end Obergefell to overturn Obergefell? Uh, Obergefell, uh, yeah, probably, uh, I, I, first of all, I would never be asked to give that talk because I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I have, uh, this I'm, is why a, it's I'm a game. accused, I'm accused by, you know, those to the, the, the far right of me of being too liberal on those issues and those to the far left of being way too conservative. And so I'm, I'm kind of in a no man's land. Um, but I think probably around Obergefell, my, um, my approach would, would be more along the lines of, of, of Paul's approach in Acts 17, uh, when he, uh, you know, he, he, he assumes a more persuasive, uh, form of confrontation by, by taking people to the, the, the end of their, the conclusion or logical conclusion of their ideas, like Schaefer mm. said, um, uh, you know, I, th- I think that issue, you're, you're not going to be, you're not even going to be heard or listened to. And, and you're certainly not going to persuade anybody, uh, unless the, the relational work has been done uh, to demonstrate that you care, <laughs> that, that, that you not only have a prophetic message, but you stand ready to provide the solution. And, and unfortunately the evangelical church has been a very lonely place for people who struggle with this, even those who've struggled in chastity and faithfulness because of Jesus. And so I think there's just a lot, um, you know, around the issue that first of all would exclude me from ever getting an invitation, uh, from, 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 from a president, but oh, ye of little faith. Of all, I'd, yeah, I'd, well, hey, I'd, I'd probably, uh, yeah, I don't know what I'd do if I got that invitation, but I, I, you know, with Louis Giglio was removed. I probably would be as well, or Rick Warren or Louis Giglio or whoever was removed because of their evangelical position on these things. And so I, you know, by, by the president Obama's administration. So I, I doubt I would ever get an invitation. Seems, seems so. like one of the, one of the questions that, that kind of ran through my head as we were, as I was reading your book is just trying to define what a gentle answer is. And, and you gave a lot mm-hmm. of examples, um, but it, it seems some, it's, sometimes it would seem like it's not a gentle answer because of maybe how people responded to it. And other times, maybe you'd say, no, but it really was because of the heart of the person giving it, the motivation of the person mm-hmm. giving some kind of direct thing. So how, how do you decide in a moment, okay, that was a gentle answer? I mean, obviously, it's Jesus, you know, if it's Jesus, then you say, okay, that was a gentle answer. Regardless. <laughs> but, but, you know, it seems like mm-hmm. when you, when it's on the ground and in, and live in front of you, it, you know, how do you decide? I mean, cause sometimes Jesus gave an answer and people went away sad or were angry. And, um, and so sometimes when we give the gentle answer, it's, it's going to, you know, people are going to respond badly and yet it's, we're still required by God to give the, give the true faithful answer. Um, and so how do you decide, how do you judge in a moment? I mean, I know it starts with, you know, our our own answers, but I mean, how do you make that Mm -hmm. judgment? And, you know, on the other side, you said, I think you give the example of Falwell Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, his, his remarks after 9-11 and, and, and you, you know, implied that saying this is from the, this is judgment of God for abortion, homosexuality and so forth wasn't a gentle answer. How how do we, how do you make that call? 
Well, there, there's also the end of the story where Larry Flint, of all people, is, gives yeah. the, the glowing eulogy Which of is a great story. because of their friendship. So, yeah. But yeah, I'll just tease your viewer, or your listeners and viewers on that one. But that's a great question because, again, you get into the question of, um, you know, when is the lamb of Christ, uh, the one you lead with and when is the lion of Christ, the one you lead with. And, and, uh, you know, I think just looking at scripture, Christ got fierce, um, with, with those who, um, made a habit of judging and punishing others. Uh, and Christ got tender, uh, with, with people who sinned out of some form of, of, of brokenness or isolation, uh, like Matthew, the tax collector, uh, the, the likely prostitute in Luke seven, uh, the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter eight, the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, in John chapter four. In all of those instances, we, we see, uh, glimpses, uh, either glimpses or an overt expression of both lamb and lion, depending on who he's talking with. And, so, you know, to the Obergefell question, you know, I think about how Christ interacted particularly with non-believing or, or freshly believing, newly believing, uh, sexually broken, damaged, sinful people. And he started with, um, you know, a posture and, and even words, uh, if you accept John chapter eight of scripture, which I know, you know, that first, the woman caught in adultery is under debate, uh, by theologians, but nonetheless, he, he starts with a posture and he starts with, with words that, that, that communicate, I don't condemn you. That's our starting point. Uh, now leave your life of sin. And so he, that order is very significant and it's very important. And I think it, it provides a blueprint for how to engage particularly sexually, broken or sexually immoral people outside the church, which is very different than very prideful uh, people who are committed to sexually immoral stances and behaviors inside the church who claim to be a believer. You know, Paul delineates between the two in, in uh, first Corinthians five. And so um, I forgot your question. I'm just talking and I forgot. Your <laughs> How do you question. define gentleness and all this um, basically? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's not outcomes. It's not outcomes because you're, you're right. When, when Jesus is tender with the prostitute uh, in Luke chapter seven, who does all kinds of unorthodox things, she sure. lets down her hair, which was, was like a woman walking around in, in her underwear in today's culture. Uh, she pours, you know, she uses the tools of her trade, her lips, her perfume, uh, you know, to, to express affection for him, you know, by kissing his feet, you know, the, the perfume, the hair, et cetera. And he's tender toward her. And, and the, the, the religious leaders in the room get infuriated with him for being tender. And so you can't, and, and she's set free, she's liberated. And so, so you're, you're always going to have this binary response. And so the focus has to be what is faithfulness in this moment? Not, not what, how can I get the outcome that, that, that we want, yeah. you know, in, in your, in your chapter on cynics, you have a really moving section on Jesus's answer to Nathaniel. And, and, yeah. and, and then, yeah. and then Jesus says, you know, um, when Nathaniel's amazed by Jesus, Jesus says, you think this is great. You, you, have, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> um, you know, you, you, you'll see and do greater works than these. And, and you actually go on and, and have a, a, a lengthy paragraph or two describing some of the great things, the mighty works that Jesus does in people's lives. And it's, it's, it's really a, a glorious section. Um, one of the things, one of the things though that kind of struck me is I've I've read some of your stuff, uh, particularly on uh, Revoice and and those those Christians who struggle with homosexual temptation, and and it sounded to me like you don't think those who struggle with homosexual temptation should really expect to see much deliverance from those temptations in this life, and it just seemed to me me that that kind of was at odds with that really moving section about the great and mighty mm-hmm. works of Jesus really transforming people. Um, is, is, mm-hmm. that, is that, do you see what I'm saying? And, and why not include oh, yeah. that in a list like that? That's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the answer is, um, you know, bear, bear with me on this. Uh, there was a time when, uh, when certain scientists would get tried and, uh, and, and excommunicated for declaring that the earth wasn't flat. Uh, and then over time the discovery was made, uh, through 
advance in scientific technology that the earth was actually round and it revolved around the sun rather than vice versa. Uh, and I, I think, you know, that, 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 uh, episode or anecdote from history is instructive, uh, in that, um, you know, there's a certain observation about the way things are that, that we either, uh, uh, accept or, or that we deny, uh, or that we explore in greater depth if we're not sure whether or not to accept and deny. And, um, nobody is saying in this discussion, uh, Revoice, Harvest USA, you know, you, Rosaria Butterfield, I mean, you, Sam Alberry, Jackie Hill Perry, you, you pick all of the sort of prominent voices on these things who, who approach it, many of them in different ways. Kevin DeYoung, add, add him to the list. Uh, Preston Sprinkle, add him to the list. Uh, I'd love to see a conversation between those two around these things. But, but um, n- nobody is saying uh, that they know a lot of people uh, who have, have sought to who had same sex attraction sought for it to go away and, and it happened completely. And, and is that to say that God can't change people? God raises the dead. God spoke the galaxies into existence by breathing. God can do anything God wants. God is all powerful. Uh, but there is a community inside uh, the evangelical church. I'll call it the evangelical church. I'll call it the Bible-believing church. I'll call it. Sure. I'll, I'll call it the church. Church that embraces the historic, traditional, uh, biblical understanding of sex and marriage that 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 that, that limits marriage to to one man and one woman. That 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 uh, particularly a, and that limits uh, sex to that definition of marriage and, and everybody else in Christ is called to live a chaste life, uh, who is not in inside marriage or, uh, whose spouse is disabled and, and unable to, to, to have sex, et cetera. Okay. So, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, we've got a whole community of people that are starting to talk openly about the struggles that they've had all of their lives. Uh, and uh, they, they experience a tension between uh, what we could call same-sex attraction um, uh, and what many call same-sex attraction and the clear teaching of Scripture uh, on, on sexuality and marriage and so on. And, and these are people in particular, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a wholesale endorser of Revoice, but, but, but I, I do appreciate the emphasis of what they're trying to do. They're trying to help same-sex attracted Christians uh, live faithfully according to the biblical ethic that I just described. And you've got, you've got so many people uh, who uh, they're either living in a male female marriage with this struggle. We have some of those people in our church uh, and they're living very faithfully in that denying themselves daily, taking up a cross, following Christ, and then you've gotten people who've chosen the path of singleness like Paul did, like Jesus did, mm-hmm. but for this reason. Uh, and, and, um, and, and, and they're, they're, they're walking obediently. And, and so uh, I, I, I've struggled uh, a good bit and, uh, with um, what, I, what I feel is maybe a lopsided emphasis, uh, around the critique of movements like this is not to say that there aren't things to critique. Uh, there's some titles of seminars that were inflammatory. There's some teaching that, 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 you know, I may or may not, uh, agree with, uh, in some of the seminars, et cetera. And then there's some stuff that I really appreciate. And so it's, it's kind of a mixed bag, but, but I, I, I'm concerned personally that that's become the emphasis as opposed to the fact that, that, that you've actually got people who are obeying Jesus in this area of their lives mm-hmm. and they're surrounding themselves with accountability and, and they're doing that. And, and things like revoice and harvest USA exist because the church has not done a good job. Uh, this is, this is why things like young life exists because the church has not done a good job evangelizing teenagers. And, and that's, that's the only reason a parachurch ever emerges is that the church has somehow missed its calling with a certain people group. And, and I think we're starting to discover that and we're getting a lot of debates and, and everything else, which just, I hope just like all the de- debates around the creeds ended in something wonderful uh, for does, the church. But right that, now we're in kind of a messy season. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Does, the, are you falling into, I mean, 
just right off the bat, it seems like you just answered that though in terms of outcomes. In, in a minute ago, you you you, yeah. you said you know we can't judge yeah. faithfulness based on outcomes. So yeah, I mean, how, so how do you know that? Uh, Revoice is a response, or Harvest US is a response to the church failing, or why? Why couldn't it be a response to the church? Act, um, the 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 world is um, actually infiltrating. Why? Why is it not an expression of more worldliness and and animosity to biblical teaching? Why does it have to be a response to uh, fa- failure on the part of the church? Uh, because the church has failed. Uh, I mean, I, the anecdotes are are. Are, uh, you can't count them. There's so many of, of, of people who have fallen into despair because of the isolation and the fear of, you know, you can confess certain sins. Like you can stand up and say, I'm Joe, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, and, and you become a, a hero uh, in your sobriety. But if you stand up and say, I'm, I'm Sally and I'm attracted to women and I struggle with that and I've struggled with that all my life and I'm, I'm sober from that, <laughs> I'm obedient in that. Uh, you, you get judged and labeled and, and categorized. And, and, you know, it's been a long history of that. But, so, but we don't treat uh, alcoholism. Uh, when someone confesses and repents of being an alcoholic, they don't continue to call themselves an alcoholic 30 years from now. Like it's sure just, they do. No. They do all the I've time. Never, I've never Have heard. you ever been to an AA meeting? Um, no, Have you I've, ever been to an AA meeting? No, I've never been to an AA meeting, but I've had family members who've been alcoholics and repented of it and moved on. Well, they, I'm, I mean, I, I pastor probably 150 people who've been sober for for over 10 years who who still, you know, use the language, and it's it's not an identity language. It's a, it's a statement of struggle, uh, and a statement of you know this is this I, is my thorn in the flesh that I'm that I'm still fighting. I and, guess my and my question my question still goes back to the 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 point though is even with, so you say anecdotally I know all these people. They stand up and they say, I'm attracted to a woman, I'm a homosexual, and, and they say they're being judged. But again, isn't that still judging it based on the outcomes? I mean, you're, you're saying it, it wasn't a gentle yeah. answer. They haven't been given gentle answers because of all the outcomes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I follow your, your question. Um, but I will say that the outcome, uh, the desired outcome is faithfulness. Right. Um, right. Yeah. The desired outcome is to live chaste. And, and if this attraction, if this struggle does not go away, uh, to own it so you can confess it. Uh, uh, it's a, it's a function of original sin. Um, that is there just like every temptation. Some, some original sin manifests in same sex attraction. Others, it, it, it manifests in being attracted to people of the opposite sex that you, that, that you're not married to, or that are married to somebody else. Uh, to others, it's a tendency toward aggression to others. It's a tendency toward cowardice, you know, original sin manifests in everybody in different ways. And, and I think what, what I'm, what nobody is saying is that God cannot change a, a person. That's right. Uh, what people are trying to acknowledge is that, you know, you ask the, you ask the leaders of, of nonprofit organizations that, that, you know, their, their purpose of existence is to help people who experience same sex attraction, live faithfully to Jesus in, in but their lives. Let, let me give obedience. you, let me give you a little anecdote of my own. I, I've had people though okay. who, who have, who have, uh, who struggle with temp- these temptations who have come to me mm-hmm. and have described how much those organizations like revoice have caused them to stumble. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay. so because what they're trying to, what, what they do yeah. is they soft pedal how, how bad, mm-hmm. how bad the sin is and, and cozy mm-hmm. up to it. And, and they've thanked me for standing against it because it gives them strength mm-hmm. to withstand their temptations. So that, you know, so there, I mean, it's, yeah. it's anecdotal evidence, but I would just say at the same time, I, I think I know what they intend to do. And a lot of what they mm-hmm. say on paper, I can sort of, I can say, okay, yeah, I, I, I get what you're doing. I know what you're trying to do. Um, but I, yeah. actually, I actually think, um, you know, the, the language of, you know, there's some way to say you're a gay Christian. There's a, I, even same sex attracted, I think is misleading because it's not actually something no. to be attracted to. It's, 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 unnatural it's, it's actually, it's actually vile and disgusting. And so it sh- we shouldn't call it attraction, um, because it's, that's a, that's a misnomer. 
Um, but, but, but my experience has been people who have been very, um, have, those ministries have actually been gateways to unfaithfulness. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's evidence that that would be the norm. I mean, I, I think you could probably say that about every church. Um, you know, you've, you've got churches that, that, that because they're too soft on the law, uh, engender, you know, a licentious way of life potentially. And then you've got churches that are too soft on grace that, that turn out Pharisees. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a perfect human institution. I don't think there's a perfect church or, or a perfect, uh, you know, a, a perfect uh, parachurch or nonprofit organization. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to fail in our mission. Sure. But when you have, uh, when, I mean, you, but when, when you have talks though, that are, you know, called, and I'm sure this is one of the ones you're referring to is, you know, what queer treasure will be in the new Jerusalem. I mean, it's sort of like right. you're flying. You're flying a flag, though, of we're not being careful. Like it's it's. I, I, yeah, I, well, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I mean, if you've read my if you've read my take on this stuff, you 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 know that I I take issue with that kind of language for for, sure. for a few reasons. One, right. it, it's confusing. Uh, it, it it it's confusing. Uh, it it's potentially inflammatory, uh, and, and can be misleading. And so, I mean, I've gone on record saying that, sure. look, I'm, I'm not a wholesale endorser. Right. Um, I, I mean, I'm not even a wholesale in, endorser of my own ministry because I'm, I, I, I fail in my own ministry. Uh, there are things I regret, uh, every month I, I can look back and say, I wish I'd have done it differently or said it differently. And so, uh, at the same time, I want to be one who advocates, uh, for, um, charity and benefit of the doubt for organizations that seem to be heading in the right direction. Uh, even, even though their expression might be imperfect. I mean, just think about all the historic creeds, Nicene apostles, Westminster confession of faith, which, which is the one my tribe, Presbyterian church in America follows all of these. Uh, none of those just, just happened. The first draft, uh, was, um, you know, had, so many critics and so many problems. The second draft did third draft, fourth draft, fifth draft. I mean, this took councils arguing and fighting, you know, fighting, laughing and feasting, hopefully to get, to get to the apostles creed. But, but it took a lot of, you know, a lot of unrest along the way to get there. And I think what we've got, when we look at organizations like revoice or like, a harvest and you know, they have different emphases and approaches and they both have their critics, but they're both after a similar thing. They're both after trying to help men and women live uh, chaste, uh, either in marriage or outside of marriage who carry this particular, and they would say it's a thorn in the flesh. They yeah. would say it's something that I have asked the Lord repeatedly to remove. And up to date, his answer to me has been, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness to yeah. so walk in that. Well, that you Nobody's know, saying God can't change him. Well, that's, well, actually, that's exactly what Greg Johnson said on the show when we had him on the show. So that, that I, God can't, that God can't yeah, change? You're asking, yeah, you're asking them to repent of something that they can't repent of is what he said. And so the, I, I just, I just want to be careful about what you just said. I don't think that's how they're taking this. I think that they're making a different conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think you're putting the best, the best view on it possible. But and when you start digging inside of there and you start unearthing this thing, it gets a little scary about what they believe and how they're going about changing people. Um, so, but I want to, I want to, as I was reading your book, Scott, um, there were moments where I stopped and I was like, man, this is really good. And there was other moments I was like, man, I wish he had fleshed this out. Overall, I thought you crossed every T and dotted every I. But when I got done, I started realizing there really wasn't much of a practical application to the book, and which I thought would be really mm -hmm. helpful. if Because I think right now the current yeah. climate that we're in, um, I think most Christians agree with what you're saying in here. But when it comes to applying it, I don't think that – yeah, we know how to do that well, uh, where we can hold okay, both of so us together. I got so an I, answer for that. So yeah, so I want to give you a situation here, and I want you to answer it for me. Okay. So let's yeah. say you have a cross-dressing man who comes into your church and starts making a beeline for the woman's bathroom. What's your response, mm -hmm. and how do you handle that in gentleness with the, with the context that you have in your book? <laughs> you guys are coming up with some some pretty amazing hypotheticals. It's real. Um, no, Calvin College does so, this. This is real. <laughs> so yeah. Um, 
Well, uh, <laughs> I got to be honest. I haven't. I have not given a whole lot of thought to that that scenario uh, because of, of of how um, unlikely it it is. Uh, but I'll, I'll answer your first question, and, and that is that, and, and I think is the, and then I'll answer. I'll try to answer the one you just asked. But All right. I, I think either in the, I think either in the forward or either in the intro or the conclusion of the book, I, I made reference to the fact that a gentle answer is actually a prequel that comes after the fact to the first book I wrote uh, called Jesus Outside the Lines. And that's the, that's the, practic- that's the practical book okay. uh, about how to, flesh, uh, how to flesh these things out. Uh, happy to have another conversation with you guys about that one. Send sure. you free copies if you want. Ooh, but, free but, books. Uh, yeah. in, in terms of, yeah, I'm sure you guys get a few of those. But um, the, uh, you know, your, your question about the, the transgender person, I mean, I, again, a lot of it, has to do with a person's posture. Um, you know, Christ was very assertive with people who had assertive postures. Um, Christ had a very strong no for, for people who, especially who asserted their agendas on, on other people. Uh, Christ had a very patient uh, come-alongside posture for those who acted in unorthodox ways possibly out of confusion, possibly out of pain, possibly out of isolation. Uh, and, and so, it, you know, again, it, it depends on who the person is in front of you. And I, I'll, throw, I'll throw a thought, I'll throw an anecdote back to you. This is a real one. Um, a woman comes in, she's 23 years old. She comes into my office and she says, you know, uh, you're the first pastor and the only pastor that I've, that I've ever even remotely considered having this conversation with, uh, you know, she sits in the balcony, um, you know, back row slips in, slips out, um, you know, and, you know, comes to church three or four times a month. And, and she's been coming for like a year and this is the first meeting we've ever had. She sets it up and she says, uh, I am a tortured person, uh, because, um, because, my, I know that my sexuality is in conflict with my faith. I think the stuff that Matthew Vines wrote is, 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 you know, trying to read something into the Bible that's not there. It's never been there and it never will be there. And, um, and, and I, and I also have, you know, this, this, you know, gay thing that I don't, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, and then she, and then I just said, Hey, you know, tell me your story. I, I can't really, you know, pass you until I know more about your story. And she said, well, you know, and, and how'd you get here? And she said, well, um, you know, I'm going to tell you something that, you know, I don't, I don't tell a lot of people, but, but, uh, I was sexually abused, uh, in a church youth group, uh, by two different boys. And so was my sister. And she, is gay too. We both used to like boys and then we got sexually abused and, and, you know, this, yep, yep. you know, got triggered and all of that. Yep. You know, you've heard the stories yep. and, and, uh, and, you know, when we reported it to the church, they, they just wanted to bury it. They, they didn't want to deal with it because the father of the, the abuser was a deacon and, 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 yep. et cetera. And so, so she comes in and I'm, I'm saying, okay, I've got somebody who, who has sin in her life. She's even acknowledging it. Uh, she's not, um, you know, she's not leaving it. Um, but she is also in incredible tension and conflict, um, between her faith and, and her, you know, sexual behavior. And, and so that's a whole different story. than you know, somebody who comes in and, and, and asserts, you know, that this is who I am. And if you don't, you know, marry two men or marry two women in your church, then we're going to sue you. You know, those are two very different scenarios. Absolutely. And I I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, the pastor's office is a place where, I mean, somebody comes in and and bears their heart. I mean, there's all kinds of grace. There's all kinds of patience and, and, and amen. Uh, Amen. The, the, the issue though is I think sometimes that get substituted though in for a lot of other situations. So the 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 mm-hmm. the, the cross dresser that's walking into the ladies room, I think we should be gentle and firm because 
You got ladies. How about no? How, you got <laughs> you got you got daughters in there. You got wives in there. And, and your duty as a man is to protect them from this very confused, broken person. And and I I, was, I think you have to stop them. And in and if you don't stop them, you're you're sacrificing you know uh, your duty as a as a man to protect these your daughters and your and your wife from this very confused mm. man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll give you my honest answer to that question. Thank you. I would, if it were me, if it were me, I mean, I, I don't think I've been dishonest with you. No, no, no. no. Anything, but but, but, but um, if I am, I'll tell you. Right. But uh, I would probably, um, if if and, and I have the luxury to do this because we do have private bathrooms in our church, a large church, and we got stuff like that. And yep. so I, I would probably, I would probably approach the person and say. Um, you know, Hey, as, as you're probably aware, there, there'd be people who, you know, might struggle or be confused, but, but can I, can I, can I help you by showing you to one of our private bathrooms uh, here? You can use the one in my office. You can use the one, you know, by the music suite or what, what have you. I probably want to approach it privately, gently, not make a public scene about it. Sure. And, and hopefully, hopefully in a way that would allow for a follow-up conversation, I would probably ask for the person's phone number and invite them to, to have a conversation and listen to their story and then try to discern through that. How, how can I best minister to this person? Sure. And, and, uh, if they're trying to assert their will, uh, and their agenda, uh, as opposed to, I'm a really broken person with a really broken story. It's going to, it's going to create two different pastoral scenarios. You know, I, I, one of the, you know, we were talking earlier about Obergefell, the context that we're speaking, you talked about relationships being built and how important it is before we even engage in some of the conversations with people in these tough subjects. But then I, I thought about two different, um, arenas that happen. One of is at the abortion clinic. And the other is just my friends that I know who are open air preachers as well, who go out on the street where they're not having the exact moments that we have to build rapport. But to at the same mm-hmm. time, they're out there proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and speaking to a person's sin, telling about the goodness of Jesus Christ and how they can save from sin. But and they don't have the same situational relationship they can develop at, the, at that moment. And so they're just I, pulling them out of the they're fire, just pulling them out of the fire. And I, I want to make sure because it sounds like from your book that, and from what you said earlier with Obergefell, that speaking harsh things, speaking true things in those moments almost seems unnecessary. I just, I'm kind of concerned about the functionality in those situations because um, a person going into an abortion clinic who's about, to, who's kill about to kill their baby right now requires a certain type of engagement that shocks that person to yeah. the reality of what they're about to do. And whether or not I have a yeah, relationship yeah. with them is really irrelevant at that point. Yeah, and I, I think you know, couple of couple of thoughts on that. Number one, you know, the one of the the, the first church plant that that we were part of, uh, we planted some churches. The first church plant we were part of, um, you know, we had an office and an abortion clinic route moved right next door uh, to our office, and um, you know, we started asking the question, how how can this become a ministry opportunity? And and we actually changed the signage on our door, uh, to, ma- to make it look like a, a place for women in crisis pregnancy, uh, kind of the wise as serpents, innocence as doves. Cause we, 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 we hope that women will walk through our door out of confusion. Uh, so that we could, you know, so that they could be met with a gentle, kind, receptive face. And so that, that, that we could, try to persuade them uh, of a different path and offer support uh, in that different path. Now um, we persuade, uh, I would say probably uh, a good 25 to 30% of those women did not walk next door into the clinic. Uh, But, but went home and we, we also made ourselves available. If we saw women, most people don't see, you know, the aftermath where women are, are limping out of uh, yep. these clinics, yep. That's right. uh, you know these aren't these aren't happy nymphomaniacs who are high fiving people. As, some of as them they come out. I mean, they're they're broken. Oh, some of them and are, and they're filled. They're filled with. Well, most of them are, and they're filled oh. with shame. And uh, and so you know we, we had about a thirty percent um, uh, uh, save rate, uh, and um, I'm not sure that's 
I'm not sure that's going to, I'm not sure the persuasion, I'm not sure the life's going to be saved. Um, as, as I'm not sure as many lives are going to be saved. Um, with pickets, although I, wow. I believe that many have been say have been yeah. saved that way, yeah. and and so I, I wouldn't say that it's a completely illegitimate way to do it. Uh, I just don't personally think it's the most effective way. Uh, if we're really talking about saving lives and doing whatever we have to do uh, to save lives, I think there are more effective ways than than picketing. I, um, I got But again, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying it's a bad way. I'm just arguing that it's not the best way yeah i've seen it be so successful and i've seen god bless it in so many different ways where there's no one else no other church out there if you want to talk about this and like john burroughs who's out there in was it florida is it yeah and i mean he's got hundreds of people who've come back and he's there with his little bullhorn yeah preaching and pleading <laughs> with them john speed the and yeah. uh, apologia yeah. all those guys that are out there doing it biblically and and seeing great great fruit from their work i I know. Uh, I know. Uh, we could keep going on this. Yeah. I want to. I want to ask you one more thing. I know, I know we're over time with you, but um, I, I noticed, uh, th- and this is just. I don't know how this connects exactly, but it probably does. But on your website, I was confused. One of the issues that has come up a few times with uh, with your church and ministry has been the role of women in leadership. And I know you've been asked about mm-hmm. this a few times, and it probably sure. it probably mm-hmm. connects. But um, particularly pulling up your website on the elder page, I was particularly confused by all the women listed as elders uh, on your page when I know that the PCA doesn't allow for the ordination of, of women elders. So I just was wondering if you could help me understand that. Uh, there's actually not a single woman listed as an elder. There, there are women who are listed as advisors. Uh, and, and every single one of them, I think, has a parenthetical uh, parentheses advisors. Uh, so is that what I'm, I'm AL, sure is that what who, AL who stands for? AL? What does AL stand for? Uh, AL. So some um, some of them like it says. Yeah, the, there's a parenthesis the, says uh, AL. That's, oh, that's under the uh, that's under Christ Presbyterian Academy. I'm not sure what AL means, but the, that's the that's the school board, which is which is oh uh, not the the elders on that board are. They serve as a commission, uh, but it, but it's but it's separate. It's separate from the church in terms of its governance. It's not when you say they're. It's not the church. When okay. you say they're advisors, what do you mean, advisors? Uh, exactly that. Wow. Uh, that what are they? Uh, that that we a woman uh, or any other advisor. We don't just have women advisors. We have we have other advisors in certain on certain elder commissions, but, uh, we want the female voice in the room, uh, to weigh in, uh, uh, to the decisions that, that our elders make. And then only the elders have a vote. And, um, you know, it's like, uh, any congregational meeting. If you're, let's say, you know, in the PCA, if you're going to purchase property, um, our book of church order requires a congregational Yes, uh, to to purchase property, for instance, uh, and the elders cannot move forward with purchasing property unless they get the congregational yes, and that includes men, women, and children uh, who are members of the church, and and uh, they're not acting as elders; they're 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 advising the elders. Are all those people listed uh, on the website in, too? In what to do? Yeah, I think they're all listed. Yeah. Yeah. List, list oh, them all. I think it was just, yeah. I was just a little confused. That's helpful. I, I just the whole the top just yeah, says it says elders at the top of the page, and then it just lists all these commissions. And so it just wasn't clear to me yeah. which ones are actually elders and which ones are not. Um, at the at the bottom of the page, you yeah. actually break out the you know the male deacons and you have female deaconesses, and that was just that was clearer for for what it's worth. FYI. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah. I, I'm curious. Yeah, about, I'm curious about your own personal convictions on this. I know you served in the EPC for a little yeah. bit, and the EPC allows for the ordination of women. The PCA doesn't. Um, is your own personal mm-hmm. conviction that the ordination of women um, should be allowed? Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll give you a uh, uh, probably a frustrating answer. It depends <laughs> on what you mean by ordination. Uh, it, it depends on what ordin- ordination implies. Uh, I believe that the role of uh, the diaconal role is a role of service, uh, uh, not a role of authority. 
uh, which is which is why I would be among those who would say that that you know according to First Timothy one, only men uh, should serve in the office of elder in the PCA. That's teaching elders who are pastors and ruling elders who are lay elders. Um, uh, the, the, that office is reserved for men because that's the office of authority. That's the off, office of leadership of headship in the church. Uh, I believe that the, the, that the role of deacon or deaconess is a role of service. Uh, and, and, you know, you even go back to Acts chapter 6, and you see that the first class uh, uh, in the Jerusalem church, uh, their inauguration was, was due to the need for elders to be assisted uh, in, in acts of service mm-hmm. to, and acts of mercy. And, and so they're clearly set up as those who assist the elders. Uh, and, 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 you know, as, you know, a helper corresponding to the elders, so to speak. And so, uh, because I do not see the diaconal role as an authoritative role, but as a service role, uh, uh, and you know, that, that, that word that the apostle Paul used, uh, to describe a woman named Phoebe diaconon, uh, which is deacon, um, and not just a deacon, but a deacon in the church of Kentre or at the church of Kentre, um, you know, has led me to the conclusion, at least in my convictions, that there is a, a reason to refer to a woman as a deacon. Uh, and it's not to, to confer authority to her. Uh, it's not to confer to her an elder role, uh, but to uh, describe her as a servant or to, uh, to entrust to her a position of, of service uh, to assist the elders along, alongside the others with the diaconon role. Yeah, but Romans so 13 in a nutshell. Romans 13 also uses the word diaconos and we don't consider the government a, a deacon of the church. What's that? Romans 13 yeah, also uses Do do you think um so like in Calvin's Geneva he actually had a, a role for a deaconess but um but he yeah. he clearly distinguished and said that they were under the authority of the male deacons. Um, is that how it works in your church? So the male deacons um, oversee the service of the deaconesses. Uh, functionally, yes. I mean, our, our our deacons are ordained, uh, and that's to submit to our our church polity uh, in in the you know PCA's Book of Church Order, and uh, our our woman our deaconesses are commissioned. So the the men are ordained according to our Book of Church Order, and the 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 women are. Are commissioned. Are you happy and, with that? Uh, it, that was my, yeah. Are you happy with that, or would you like to change uh, it? I mean, it's not a hill that that I'm wanting or willing to die on. Uh, I'm happy to submit. I'm, I'm glad to be part of the PCA, and and so I submit to my my denomination's polity. Um, you know, if I were to if I were asked to rewrite the polity, which is about as likely as <laughs> President Obama asking me to speak on Obergefell, we're praying um, for that. We're praying for that. Yeah, Trust us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would I would set, I would set the diaconal role up as as uh, an assisting role to the elders, and and not not a role of authority. And and I would I would create uh, a a. Um, you know, in terms of the authority over the diaconate, uh, it would be the elders, and, yeah. and 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 so there wouldn't be a male deacon as superior to a female deacon in authority or anything like that. It would be more, look, we're we're here to to serve the vision that the elders put forth, and so we would get elders involved in that way. But okay, so nobody's so, asked me to write. That so, book, la- so last question here, I, I see you. I, I really mm-hmm. think you you really try to model a gentle answer. You really try to model the gentle side of things. And I, I, I'm having difficulty trying to find places where you model uh, Jesus and his anger and his rebuke. You know, so, for example, when you were in the EPC, mm-hmm. um, did you ever rebuke mm-hmm. women elders or women pastors who are ordained in the EPC? Did I rebuke them? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but wouldn't no. that be a good place to practice but, that? But aren't you angry about that? Am I angry about uh, women again, pastors? I'd, I'd probably point you. I'd point you to uh, to Jesus outside the lines again. Uh, there's a whole chapter on that that, that I, I probably am not unable to unpack fully in the remaining time that we have. But but no, I didn't. I didn't rebuke it. Um, yeah, the, no, I guess the the, the concern though is is that you you say that. You know, biblical anger, which I again I appreciated really what this you chapter, said. Your chapter on it was really good. The, yeah. the chapter is great, 
the question though is, is sort of applying it. And, and I see, so mm-hmm. I see these things doing great harm. Uh, um, I mean, mm-hmm. a, a woman pastor is not only defying God's clear word, but there's a reason why God commands these things. Yeah. And they, this is not a, a, a shepherd of the sheep. Um, she's, she's not in a position to do that, and it's doing great harm to Christ's sheep. And if we love the sheep of God, then we're required to hate those evil things that are doing harm to the sheep of God. Don't you agree? Uh, I, I think probably uh, you and I have, um, in terms of the hierarchy of the issues that 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 that, uh, that God word speaks clearly. Impulse. <laughs> uh, well, I mean that's a lot of things. That's a lot of things. Um, we'd be confronting people every time we open our mouth and I'm not sure that's the way of Christ either, but, uh, I, I tend when, when, when I get angry and when I pull out the inner prophet, it's, it's, it's usually when a, a vulnerable person is being is in the pulpit injured by some, being injured by somebody who is more powerful than they are. Uh, that's why I'm an, an avid, you know, pro-life advocate for the unborn, I'm a pro-life advocate for okay, uh, Scott, the disabled. I, no, I'm with you, and, but what's, and, and what's more, the elderly and so on. So. But what's more dangerous than a false shepherd over the sheep? Uh, maybe, maybe, I mean, what's coming to mind right now on that question um, is what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians. Uh, and don't hear me say this about, about women in ministry. Um, but Paul said, even if somebody's preaching Christ out of wrong motives or in an un- unorthodox way, celebrate the fact that Christ is being preached. And, and I think we're being inconsistent too. If, if we're going to, if we're going to really come down on it, then, then are we, re- are we going to allow ourselves to on, on this issue? Are we going to allow ourselves to, to sing hymns written by Fanny Crosby? or by uh, Ann Steele? Uh, are we going to read a book by Johnny Erickson Tata or wow. Nancy Guthrie or Paige Brown? Are we, are, we, are we going to allow ourselves to be taught theology in any way, shape, or form as Apollos was taught by Priscilla and her husband Aquila? Are, are we going to, where are we going to draw the line? No, but we draw the line um, where God's word draws the line. I mean, we have songs in the, in the scripture by women, so we sing the songs. Mary sang a song. Right. We, we, sing a, we can sing a song. That's, that's clear from the Bible. It's, it's actually not that complicated. It, it it says well, that well, it says on, women cannot on. have authority I mean, over men and it can and women need to be silent in the churches and they need to not have authority over men. I mean that's just clear. Well, let's let's talk about that. Uh, as Paul is talking about when the people of God are gathering in the assembly, he he uh, created a um, a protocol for when a woman prophesied in the assembly, uh, there's a woman named Anna who is identified as a prophetess. Mm-hmm. There's a woman named Lydia who opened a church in her own home. Right. Uh, the list goes on. Deborah, the ruler of Israel. Uh, and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. You, no you mentioned Mary's magnific- Magnificat. Right. Uh, correct. Yeah. What? Well, and, and there's, um, and there's clear you, condemnation, you just, you just, though. You just talked about... But you just talked about being silent, and 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 clearly there were women who were given a voice in the church by the apostle Paul himself, and so you know there's some nuance here that we've got to figure out through careful exegesis and study of scripture. And nuance. in my view, since you asked, give charity. Uh, I think there's some there's some charity to be offered to to uh, those who have studied scripture very very caref- carefully. And whose egalitarian viewpoint, which you know, I'm a complementarian, but but uh, there are there are really? people with an egalitarian viewpoint based upon based upon things like what Paul says in Corinthians, based upon Anna the prophetess, and and so on. And so I, I think that there uh, I think there's a case to be made. Uh, so am is, I persuaded was Jesus no, really but, dead but, for three uh, days and three nights? Well, hey Scott, you know, here's a question. Yeah. I, Cause here's, here's, this is, 
This is really fascinating to me because in your book, again, I thought that you drew a line and had conversation on things that were kind of ambiguous and then and to, to make the case that you were making in your book. And I thought, OK, good. We need to work through these thoughts. And then something that's so clear on this with women elders. I mean, I would think this would be a place that would be a clear flag right in the ground. You can put your coffee mug on the table and trust it because I'm going to tell you, I grew up in a church like that. My grandmother was the pastor of the church, and one of the best things that ever happened to me was a man over the airway saying, if you're in a church that's run by women, that woman is elder, you're in error. Run for your life. Brother, that was one of the best things that's ever happened to me for somebody to make that line so clear. And for you to kind of say it's complicated, say it's complicated after everything I just read in your book, I'm trying to figure out how do, how do I trust that you know where to put the lines down at so we can have these distinctions. So are we fighting or laughing or feasting right now? We're yes. doing all of it together. Yes. All of it. All of yes. it. Yeah. All right. All right. If you were in the room, we'd have a, a beer with you right now. <laughs> all right. Good. Well, I, I like a good craft beer, but Amen. Um, yeah, I, again, I, w- I would say my full answer, my fullest answer, at least on record to the question uh, as a complementarian uh, who has uh egalitarian friends that I highly respect and esteem, uh, who have arrived at their conclusions in the same pathway that, that I arrived uh, to a different conclusion by careful study of the whole scripture and who like me realize that there are certain things that I may be missing. Uh, and, and, and so, so yeah, that's who I am. I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make this one a hill to die on. Uh, and I've got a whole chapter about it in the revised version of Jesus Outside the Lines, which, again, I'm happy to send to you and have a conversation love, if you'd like. I'd love to do that. I, I, yeah. I, and I think, you know, just to be clear, yeah. like, we can, I mean, I don't have a problem with being friends with people who I disagree with. I got with my str- grandma. Str- I mean, you're, you're, you're still, <laughs> what are you talking about? We still go to Thanksgiving. I got my grandma. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so we can be friends with people and at yeah. the same time speak strongly about the damage they're doing. And this is the part where I think, again, I'm, I'm with, I'm with Knox on this is I'm concerned that what you've said in the book is not actually happening in practice because I'm seeing people being crushed, being crushed by revoice. I'm seeing people being crushed by women leading. In the church that it's and, and people are, are, are and I, I'm, I'm wanting to emulate exactly what you said in your book. I want to hate with a godly hatred those things that God says I'm supposed to hate. And I want to and I want to do that because I'm angry in a righteous way about what these sins are doing to God's people, the weak and the vulnerable. And I think and I see that happening in our culture, in our churches, when women are elevated to positions of leadership, when homosexuals and people who are tempted to homosexuality are put in those positions of leadership, what's happening is the weak and the vulnerable are actually being crushed and the sheep of Jesus are not actually being protected. And that's, and, and I agree with your book and that's why I'm angry about that. And I wish I heard the same anger in your voice about those things. Yeah, I think I'm more angry about racism. I'm more angry about, uh, you know, women being abused in the church. We have to choose. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I think you do have to have to discern what battles there are that God has called you to uniquely sure. uh, step into. Sure. Yeah, sure. we're I agree all with that. finite, and I just and think I those mean, are I've, safer I'm, battles I'm, to I'm fight. To be honest, I mean, I've, I, I, I'm, I mean, I could name. I could name over a hundred women that I've learned so much from, and and and, well, we and could some too. of them are in a different, different, different. Some of some of them are egalitarians. And, yeah, and of course, so, my mom. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna make, and some of them make really good points uh, biblically about uh, their egalitarianism, uh, and and so. I'm still a complementarian. Yeah. I still defer to Adam was formed first, then Eve. That's that's I, I, that's yeah. that's where I've landed. You know, I guess, uh, but, you know, but it's not a source of anger for me. Well, yeah, okay. Now, as, as as other things are, there are other yeah. things that are a source of anger, but that's not one of them. It doesn't. Well, I guess my concern would just be that if if those things don't rile you up, I don't know how you can really get to the place where you can get angry about some of the other things because these are so basic foundational things that we fight for that that foundation there if that's not there how do we even engage on some of these other topics like racism or something right like that, exactly yeah. so scott you got anything last words i'll give the last word to you scott 
Hey, I appreciate you guys being willing to to have a guy from Nashville that you didn't invite to speak at your conference. (laughs) (laughs) We're inviting you to come, Um, though. Come on out. (laughs) (laughs) We could actually get that beer maybe in October. Yeah, maybe. No, I do do appreciate you guys. having me on i may not be your typical guest but but uh but i i, I do appreciate you having me on and thank you, you thank you for coming on yeah, I, don't, I, I don't know if you knew what you were getting exactly. into but um we appreciate it we appreciate you coming on and appreciate your time very much you gave us a lot more than we asked for yeah and and that's all okay right. we don't have right. typical guests here across politics it's all over the place though so you're, you're we, fitting we in like just to invite people who speak at the yeah. white house <laughs> <laughs> if you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until next week. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight, laugh, and feast. Oh, a gentle answer by Scott Sauls. Available June 2nd. That's yes. right. I believe at Amazon, anywhere they're selling books. This is Crust Politics. Logos on Life School is your affordable partner in classical Christian homeschooling. Offering live teacher-led instruction four days a week to students in grades 7 through 12. Our experienced, enthusiastic teachers provide instruction in math, science, literature, history, languages, Bible, apologetics, rhetoric, government, and economics. Find out why more and more Christian homeschoolers are turning to Logos Online School for the education of their children. Go to LogosOnlineSchool.com today.